Amen. Let us pray. Father, this morning, we thank you for the gift of prayer. Lord, it's my prayer this morning as I preach today about prayer, that we as a church would believe in prayer. And not because it has any innate power, but because you brought us into a relationship with yourself and told us to pray. Lord, we acknowledge that it's not the act of prayer that does us any good, but the object of our prayer. Lord, we get to pray to you, our Lord and Savior. We get to pray to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, we don't pray to a cold and impersonal universe. We don't plead with the favor of little deities. Lord, we don't try to arrange karma so that it benefits us instead of harms us. Lord, we pray we are speaking to a loving father who created the universe and who created us and began a relationship with us and who began a good work in us when he saved us. Lord, you tell us that as our father, you love to hear from your children. Lord, you tell us the, to love and to act on our prayers and act through our prayers. So, Lord, let us live as if prayer really matters. Let us worship as if prayer really matters. Well, let us not grow weary in this task. Let us believe that often the best thing that we can do is not to act first, but to pray first. Lord, let prayer be our first instinct rather than our last resort. Amen. Lord, let prayer be our first instinct instead of worrying and doubting. Lord, let it be instrumental rather than supplemental to all that we do and all that we are. Well, let us be a praying church here at the Living Church. First on Sunday, today, the Lord's Day, as we gather together in corporate worship, and then throughout the week as we go to work, as we gather with our families, as we meet with friends, and as we have times of personal devotion and Bible reading. Lord, we ask you, ask you this morning, I plead with you, Father, to help us to pray. Help us to make a priority of prayer and help us to see and celebrate answers to prayer. Lord, give us confidence that our prayers matter, not because we found just the right formula or not just because we've said what people think are the right words, but because we know you as God and that we are known by you. Lord, let us as a church, let us as individuals pray boldly let us pray with confidence. Let us pray constantly, perseveringly. Lord, let us storm the gates of heaven through prayer. Lord, let us pray into the day that Christ returns. And all the while, Lord, let us be thankful for the precious gift that you have given us in prayer. Lord, I pray for our church family that you continue to help us to grow in grace. We thank you for the opportunity to worship you this morning. We pray for Sister Dolores, Lord, that, you know, she has to have 
rotator cuff surgery, that you be with her, Lord, in this time of need, that when the surgery comes, Lord, that you bless the doctors to work on her well, and that they do a good job, even considering uh, the complexity of her surgery, Lord, and that she's able to make a full recovery. We pray for Brother Harvey that you continue to, to bless him and strengthen him in his recovery from his stroke, Lord, and that he continues to regain his balance, Lord, that you, you work in him, giving him that will to, to not give up, but to persevere in his rehab. We pray for Brother Darrell, Lord, that you continue to uh, touch and heal his body as he's dealing with pain in his legs and his feet and other parts, Lord, that you, you strengthen him in what he is doing, that you heal his body also, Lord. Any other prayer requests you have in here for our, our parents, for our children, for others, Father, that you may visit them. Remember Miss, Miss Deborah and her absence, Lord, that you be with her this morning also. Lord, I thank you for this day and for the opportunity to worship you right here and right now. Lord, it is my prayer during this time together that we will be able to set aside the concerns of daily life for a little bit. And that we're able to be fully present here and now in our minds and in our hearts. Lord, I pray that we'd be able to be still and to know that you are God. We pray, Lord, that you would equip me to preach the word with power. Because, Lord, the power is not in me, but in the word. Preaching is only effective, Lord, because the word of God is effective. Lord, may my words be consistent with your word. And, Lord, I pray this for other pastors, other men this morning, that our words may be your words. So, Lord, I pray for Brother Steve and Brother Sylvester in Zimbabwe and Brothers Gobbler and Josephus over in Liberia. I pray, Lord, for Brother Bob and Brother Carlton and, and Brother uh, Anthony and Brother Phil and Brother Curly and Brother Justin, Brother Mark Young, Brother James Patterson. Lord, that all these men, including myself, that we speak what comes from your mouth, that we be attentive and eager to preach your word, to preach only what you say through your word, Lord. And Lord, let us be attentive and eager to hear, trusting, Lord, in the preaching, that we're not just hearing the words of man, but that we're hearing the truth of God. So Lord, I pray that we all would set aside whatever distractions or concerns we've carried in here with us today, and let us listen to the word and be changed. And Lord, let us be ever more conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Let us turn to the book of Ephesians. When the next to last sermon in this great book. We spent. The last six months. In this book. And we thank the Lord for being able to exegete, expound on this book for you. I pray that it has been a blessing. Next week, we want to round up our sermon series in Ephesians.
with a recap, a short recap of 25 different things that we have learned about our standing in Christ in this book that we've preached. This is my 38th sermon in this book. And we thank the Lord for his grace for being able to do this. So we're going to look at the last two verses in the whole armor of God. And I have some principles this morning that are going to be up on the screen. Uh, we're going to look at five of them today. So Ephesians 6. Begin at verse 18. But again, I want to get context. So we're going to look back at verse 14 and read through verse 20. But our focus this morning is going to be on verses 18. Excuse me, verses 18 through 20. So this is the word of the Lord. Ephesians 6, begin at verse 14. He says, stand therefore having girded your waist with truth having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace above all taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery dots of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints and for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in change, change rather, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. May God bless the reading of his word this morning. So we're going to focus on verses 18 through 20 where Paul says praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. And being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints and for me that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Amen. So. Our principle this morning, we have five of them. We're beginning with the principle that we stand against the enemy. Remember, this is in the context of putting on the armor of God. We looked last week at the whole armor of God and what it contains. The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the feet of the gospel, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. And now we focus on prayer. All of these weapons deal with standing against the enemy because at the beginning of this discourse, beginning at verse 10, uh, verse 10, Paul tells us to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And he gives the why because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness, wickedness in the heavenly places therefore put on the whole arm of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand so as Christians we're called to take a stand against our spiritual enemies and we do that with the whole arm of God we do that with the truth we do it with the gospel we do it with righteousness we do it with 
faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We do it with the salvation that we have been granted through Christ. And we do it with the word of God. That's how we stand against the enemy. Those are the weapons that God has given all of us. And to top it all off is prayer. We cannot fight and stand against our enemy. The enemy of our soul. The enemies of Christianity. The enemies of the Bible. The enemies of the church. We cannot stand against them without prayer. So we're going to look at prayer this morning. I confess in my own personal life that one of the most difficult things for me to preach about is prayer. Because prayer is a difficult thing to practice. So prayer is something that all Christians struggle with. Even the most mightiest of Christians would tell you that they struggle with prayer. And prayer is always difficult mostly for pastors to, to preach about. Because prayer sometimes can be a hard to understand and to practice. And prayer is something that Christians struggle with. And there's not a week that goes by that I don't feel overwhelmed by things to pray for and people to pray for because I always have things on my mind that I need to pray for and I could not endure any of those things without prayer I, I, I'll tell you now I couldn't have endured 13 years of pastoral ministry without prayer I just I can promise you that I've had some very discouraging times as a pastor at our church because pastoral ministry can be very discouraging at times yes any pastor there They'll tell you. There are very discouraging times in pastoral ministry. And any pastor, any pastor that's worth his, his weight in gold will tell you that if it wasn't for prayer, praying to God, crying out to God, that they would not make it in pastoral ministry because it can be very emotionally and spiritually taxing. And I, you know, by God's grace, I've been a, a preacher for about 32 years and I could not have, have done it without the prayers of God's people and through my own desperate cries to God for help. When I was an assistant pastor of a church, the same thing. So prayer is very vital to pastoral ministry, but it is also very vital to us as Christians. But the longer I'm a Christian, the more acutely aware I am of my shortcomings in prayer. When I read books about prayer, I was like, man, I'm, I'm like, I'm like falling down here. Martin Lord Jones, the great British preacher of the 20th century, uh, said that prayer should be the, a delight for the believer. But sometimes we can find prayer very, very difficult and very, very taxing. Sometimes we can find it frustrating. And one of those reasons why is because we just can't seem to find the time or have the passion or desire to pray. Sometimes it seems that we receive more negative answers for our prayers than positive. We receive, we, 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 we receive no's, more no's than, than yeses in prayer. We pray for things and it seems as if God doesn't hear us. Or I mean, these are all lies of the enemy that we're talking about. But 
when we pray sometimes we don't we don't get the affirmative answer that we're looking for so we get discouraged and 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 we get down and we say oh what's the use of praying it praying doesn't work what's the use of praying god god is not answering me god doesn't hear me don't we feel that way sometimes if we're honest but sometimes we struggle with prayer because we run out of things to say but I don't want you to think that I have it all together because I don't I've had seasons in my life where I've I've had great times of prayer there have been seasons where I've really struggled but I always fight to pray and as we go through these this message and these principles we're going to see how difficult we make something that is not that difficult to do because of our sinfulness because of our fallen nature praying is not our first default fighting on our knees is not something that is endemic to the human condition our, our, our human condition is, is, is prone to rebellion against God rather than submitting to the will of God in prayer we rather rebel against God and do things on our own try to figure things out for ourselves amen in essence telling God I got this <laughs> rather than getting on my knees getting on the knees and saying no Lord you're sovereign you're God you have it all figured, figured out I don't I wrote down here a couple of bad prayer advices that you can hear out there in social media or at some churches uh, you all probably heard this before uh, this was very popular in, in some churches about 10, 15 years ago where you heard the word push, pray until something happens, P-U-S-H. That was very popular in, in, in some churches back 10, 15, 20 years ago. Push, pray until something happens. <laughs> what if nothing happens? Are you going to stop praying? You've heard other people say prayer is the key and faith unlocks the door. That was even in some songs, some old bad gospel songs. Prayer is the key and faith unlocks the door. That's not good biblical. That's not that's not sound biblical advice on praying. Prayer is not the key and faith does not unlock the door because God controls the lock and God has the key. We don't have the key to anything. When we pray, we're, we're lending ourselves to the mercy of God to answer those prayers. We don't have the key to unlock the blessings. Our prayers don't have that key. There's a lot of bad prayer advice out there, but we always want to look to where? Scripture. What does the Bible say about prayer? How does the Bible say we ought to pray? Paul tells us here, as we deal with our enemy, our spiritual enemies, how are we to pray? Paul gives it to us. First principle. We stand against the enemy by praying with all kinds of prayer. Verse 18. He says, praying always. Praying always. With all prayer and supplication. 
So first we pray with all kinds of prayer. All kinds of prayer means all kinds of prayer. <laughs> there are many different types of praying that we can pray. You have prayers of petition. Petition means to, to ask for. So you're praying prayers of petition. You're praying for particular benefits. You have prayers of petition and supplication, which are basically the same thing. Think about supplication uh, supplies. God supplying your needs. That's what supplication means. In prayers of petition, you are asking for certain things. Another type of prayer is a prayer of confession. The best model for prayer that we have in all scripture, especially all kinds of prayer, is found in Matthew the sixth chapter. The uh, as it is titled in some Bibles, the Lord's Prayer. Is incorrectly titled that it's not God's prayer. It's actually a prayer for us disciples. In the Lord's Prayer, He gives us a helpful outline for different kinds of prayer. In Matthew six, six and nine says, "Our Father." Who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. This points us toward worship as we pray for God's glory. As we pray prayers that will hallow God's name. So this guides us in how we pray. What kind of prayer should we pray? Prayers whose answers will bring glory to who? God. That's what it means to hallow God's name, to, to, regard, to regard God's name as holy. So when he says, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, we, it points us towards worship as we pray for God's glory. And then the next petition in the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is praying for missions. This is praying for evangelism. This is praying for the spread of the gospel. Your kingdom come. It has come through the spreading and the proliferation. Proliferation means the spreading, the effective spreading of the gospel through evangelism, through, through missions, through discipleship. So we pray that as a petition, Lord, that your glory may spread throughout the earth through the missionaries that go out the evangelism that is done, the discipling that is done within the context of the local church and within families and homes. The next petition in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. That's Matthew 6 and 11. That's a prayer for what? Your personal needs, your, your daily bread, your, what you need to subsist in this world. And also praying for God to provide for others. So we pray for those needs. Lord provide for me. Provide for others. Lord provide for the hungry. Excuse me. And the homeless. Provide for those in need. Provide for us who may have a need. The next petition in the Lord's Prayer. 
is forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Do you know that confession of sins is a prayer? That's why we call it the prayer of what? Confession of sins. As we confess our sins to the Lord, we're praying to him. We're praying to the Lord in confession. We're confessing our sins, our sins of omission and commission, our, our sins and our thoughts, our words and our actions. Our sins of willful rebellion, our sins of grieving the Holy Spirit, our, our, our sins of pride or, or lust or gluttony or, or misusing our, our bodies, not being good stewards over our time, our talent, our, our treasure, all these things that we sin and more all these ways in which we sin and even more when we confess them to God we're actually praying to God <coughs> then the last petition here is do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from evil <coughs> this is a prayer for holiness both for ourselves and for others to Lord in the day of temptation deliver us from it Deliver us from evil. Deliver us from evil influence. Deliver us from evil people. Deliver us from the persuasiveness to do evil. Deliver us from demonic activity that takes place around us. That's a type of prayer. And you have prayers, many prayers in the Psalms. We talk about this all the time about praying the scriptures there are many prayers in the psalms and in other scriptures that give us other uh, types of prayer but the main point that Paul is making here is that we fight against the enemy with all types of prayer not just one type but the point is we got to pray nonetheless amen we do it with all types of prayer, all kinds of prayer. Prayer upon prayer. And the thing is, is that it is through prayer that spiritual strength and arm of God go to work. It is through prayer. We, we have the whole arm of God with us. We have the truth. We have righteousness. The righteousness that comes from Christ. We have the gospel of peace. We have faith. We have salvation in Jesus Christ. We have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We have all those things. So what do we do now? We pray with that whole arm of God. We will lose everything. We will not accomplish anything if we don't go into battle prayer we have to go into battle with prayer we don't pray because we're simply overwhelmed we pray because we're praying and relying and trusting in the Lord to empower us to fight these battles that we have to fight And the one thing we don't want to do is to get overconfident and think that we don't need to pray. Because our human condition is so sinful. When things are going well, what's the last thing we think about doing? 
praying. Bills are paid. You know, you got a little, little change burn the hole in your pocket. You know, you come into some money that tax refund hits or whatever. And, you know, you got a little extra change. And, man, you're not, you know, you caught up on it, caught up on everything. And you got a little extra money to do something. Our human condition says, you can take it easy now. Lord, we have to fight against that flesh, don't we? Because that's what it does. That's why we have to have that whole arm of God, and that's why we have to pray. Lord, keep us humble. Keep me humble. Keep me needy. Keep me wanting. Keep me desiring you. That's what we have to pray, amen? So praying all kinds of prayer. Number two, not only do we pray all kinds of prayer, but we sin against enemy by praying how often? At all times. Paul again tells us. Praying always. Praying with all kinds of prayer. And supplication in the spirit. Praying at all times. We pray at all times. You may say. This is not realistic. How can I pray all the time? I got to go to work. I got children to raise. I got this, that, and the other to do. How is it possible for me to pray at all times? You tell me I got to pray 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But what at all times in the Greek, it literally means at every opportunity. It's difference there. So when he says praying, he's saying praying at all times opportunities at all opportunities Paul says the same thing in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 17 where he says pray without ceasing that means praying that doesn't mean that you're just constantly praying 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 it means you pray at every opportunity and that is the posture of prayer that we are supposed to have that's what this that's what this points to. Our posture of prayer should be praying at all times or at every opportunity. John MacArthur said this in his commentary on this verse. He says to obey this exhortation means that when we are tempted, we hold the temptation before God and ask for his help. When we experience something good and beautiful. We immediately thank God for it. When we see evil around us, we pray that God will make it right and be willing to be used of him to that end. When we meet someone who does not know Christ, we pray for God to draw that person to himself and to use us to be a faithful witness. When we encounter trouble, we turn to God as our deliverer. In other words, our life becomes continually ascending prayer, a perpetual communing with our heavenly father. Think about that quote. We have more opportunities to pray than we realize. I told you, Lord willing, after this sermon is finished, we're going to see how easy it is to be praying more for all of us, including myself. We have all types of occasions to pray. And, but but, but the, the problem is we have to fight against our sinful condition to focus on ourselves. That's where the problem comes for all of us as, as 
sinners. We often focus on who? Our needs, ourselves. What's ailing us? What's hurting us? What needs we have? And we see things go out in the world and that the world is going to hell in the handbasket. <laughs> so it's not bothering me. Not in my house, not in my family, not on my job. I ain't got nothing to worry. I always remember this about sin and evil, people. It never stays isolated. It always spreads. Like MacArthur said, when something good happens, you get some good news. You give thanks to God. That's a prayer. That's an occasion to pray. That's an opportunity to pray. When you turn on news and see evil in the world, that's an occasion to pray. Lord, save these people. Change their hearts because, friends, you're rooting the gospel like we're supposed to be at this church. We have no excuse. You know that change begins with a changed heart through salvation. Until a person is born again, they're not going to act different. Get over it. They're not. Until they have been regenerated because they're dead in their sins, they're spiritually dead. They have been made alive by God. They're dead in their sins. And guess what? Sinners are going to sin. They're going to sin because they're sinners. We're sinners because we sin. We don't sin because we're sinners. Rather, we sin because we're sinners. A sinner sins. Okay? So those who are unregenerated, they're acting like sinners, I suppose that. So what do we pray for? Lord, change their hearts. Lord, save them. Lord, send someone to preach the gospel to them. Lord, open their eyes to your truth that they may be changed. Lord, save them like you saved me. You took my dark heart and gave it your light. You shined your light on my heart. Yeah, that, that one mean that one means you had to be out there being a criminal and all that, but you were still in darkness because you wasn't in Christ. You weren't a better sinner than they are. We say, Lord, change their hearts. Lord, save them. That's an occasion to pray when you see that. When you see a homeless person. Pray for them, Lord. Give them the right mind to find the help they need. Provide shelter for them. Because some of them don't want to be, some of them don't want a house. That's just the truth. But Lord, provide shelter for them. That's a prayer. Family members. All of us have family members who are not saved. Pray for their salvation. Whenever they come to mind, pray for them. Whenever you talk to them, pray for their salvation. Those are just a few examples. When you see something good and beautiful, when you're out riding and you, 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 you see the beauty of God's creation, Lord, thank you for making such a beautiful place for us to live. Thank you, Lord, for showing off your majesty in how you made things. That's a prayer. So when we're talking about praying at all times. We stand against the enemy because the enemy doesn't want us to thank God. The enemy doesn't want us to give praise to God in prayer. The enemy doesn't want us to pray for people to be saved. 
Our enemy doesn't want that. He wants us to be what? Distracted by TikTok videos and scrolling through Facebook. That's what the enemy wants. He wants us to be distracted from being on our knees and praying to God. That's what he wants. Our life is to be a continual communing with God as believers. Prayer isn't just rushing into God's presence, you know, as if we were rushing into the bank to get some money out and then going back until we need more. That is, that is sadly how most of us treat prayer. Like we just go to God and we need something. Then after we pray, we go on about our business. That's dishonoring to God when we do that. God is not some cosmic genie. No, he is the sovereign God of this universe. He is a loving father who wants to commune with his children. Prayer is not just going to the bank one time and getting, getting your funds and leaving. No, prayer is, is going to the bank continually throughout the day because you're in love with God. You enjoy talking with him. And also, when we're in need, prayer should not be our last resort. That's another problem that we have as fallen creatures is prayer. You know, I, I, I hear people, people say sometimes, and, and, you know, I thought I began to think about it. I'm like, that just doesn't sound right. When all else fails, pray. <laughs> think about how that sounds. When all else fails, in other words, you're saying you tried everything that you can do. You tried to fix it yourself. You tried to work things out for yourself. Oh, okay, God. Here I am. No, my friend. Prayer should not be our last resort. John Bunyan, the great writer of Pilgrim's Progress, said this. He says, we've, we've done all that we can do. Now all we have to do is pray. He said, you can do more than pray after you have prayed, but you cannot do more than pray until you have prayed. In other words, prayer should be the first thing that we think to do when we're aware of a need. It should not be the last thing. It should not be a last resort. When we hear something bad, we should automatically go to prayer. Get your labs done from your doctor. Hey, uh, cholesterol's up or you know we got to do a biopsy take you you got to bring you back for further tests some people are worry warts <laughs> they just get to worrying and hand wringing and and it's not that you shouldn't worry that's not the, the problem because worry is a it's a condition that's natural to humans worrying itself is not a sin 
perpetual worry is and worry which leads to unbelief is but worrying is a, that's an emotion that God gives us God doesn't worry but that's a condition that's a, a condition that we have as fallen people we are going to naturally worry but the problem is we worry first and we get paralyzed with worry we start conjuring up scenarios in our head we start thinking worst case scenario we start predicting the future although we have no control over it like Jesus said in Matthew 6 take no thought for tomorrow tomorrow has his own worries we do all this worry. I was talking to a, uh, one of our uh, customers uh, Friday on the phone, and she was telling things she was worried about. And, and, and I said, "Have you have you uh, stopped consi to consider that most of the time the things that you worry about the most never ha actually happen?" And that's true. So instead of worrying first, we hear that news. We should do what? Pray first. Lord, help me to bring my cholesterol down by not eating so many fried foods and so many starches and so many carbs. Lord, be with me as I go to this biopsy. And Lord, I pray that there's nothing there. I pray that it's just a false alarm. But Lord, even if it is, give me the strength to walk through it. Give me the strength and the grace to accept what you allow in my life. And Lord, help me to use this as a moment to bring glory to you. See how different that is when we pray first? So when we're talking about praying at all times, there are all types of prayer that we can pray that we don't even realize. Prayer is not just a mere formality that we say before a meal. Prayer is the way that we acknowledge our need and our dependence on God. That's what we're saying. Lord, I need you. Lord, I'm depending on you. Lord, thank you for this food that you have provided. Thank you for providing the money for us to be able to purchase it. Amen. Thank you for providing me with the job or the or the retirement money or the Social Security or whatever it is. Lord, thank you for providing that for me so that I can be able to provide for myself and provide for my family. You can expound that grace. John Bunyan said again, pray often for prayer is a shield to the soul, a sacrifice to God. And they scourge for Satan. It's like a whip. When you, when you pray, Satan hates that. Because he's doing all he can, people. He's throwing everything at you in the kitchen sink to keep you from that closet. But we pray at all times. We, we fight for prayer. We fight for that time. And you know, God doesn't prescribe a amount of time that you pray, that you should pray. But he does prescribe for us to pray. Little prayer or much prayer is better than no prayer. Next, we pray in the spirit against the enemy. So he says here, in the spirit. Praying, what does it mean to pray in the spirit? Well, I have to start off by saying 
what praying in the spirit is not. Let's clarify. Praying in the spirit does not mean this, the, the, the church tradition I came from and the church tradition I was saved in. Uh, praying in the spirit does not refer to praying in tongues. You know, as we were taught at our, at our church, you know, praying in the spirit means you got to speak in tongues, which you wasn't really doing anyway. But I would venture today that most of what goes on under the banner, banner of speaking in tongues is illegitimate. It's not real. To speak in tongues means to speak in a unknown language. It's not stammering, which pretty much everybody does when they call themselves speaking in tongues. They're not speaking in a known language. They speak in gibberish. It's illegitimate. Genuine speaking or praying in tongues is speaking or praying in a translatable foreign language. Not to speak or pray in nonsense syllables, which they look, I was part of that. I know I was faking speaking in tongues. I know. And I was faking interpreting tongues. I didn't know what in the world they were saying. And they don't either. They're lying. They're charlatans. They're fleecing people. They're not speaking in another language. They're speaking gibberish. And gibberish is not a language. <laughs> okay. So when it says praying in the spirit. It's not talking about speaking in tongues. Or false tongues as these people. But what does praying in the spirit mean? This is going to be so helpful for us. Praying in the spirit means to pray in dependence on the spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity, in accordance with God's word. Again, it means praying in dependence on the spirit. In accordance with God's word. The psalmist says in Psalms 66 and 18, if I regard wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not hear. So first, we can't pray in the spirit if we have unconfessed sin in our life. If we're living a life of habitual, unrepentant, unconfessed sins, God will not hear our prayers. You know, I talk about it all the time. People say, oh, I, I pray to God all the time while they're out there living in sin unrepentant sin but yet they try to justify themselves yeah you're, you're, you're praying to God but he's not hearing you again Psalm 66 and 18 if I regard wickedness in my heart regarding it means to, to take heed to it to practice it to live it to give it attention if you are doing that the Lord will not hear if you are regarding wickedness and evil in your heart if you're carrying evil in your bosom, you're just determined to live in your sins. And yet you get down on your knees and pray to God. He will not hear you. He will not. Because God is holy. If we think that we can come before God's holy throne of power. In the power of his spirit. But at the same time, holding on to sin in my life, we're greatly deceived. 
We're holding on to sin in one hand, holding on to it, cherishing it, going headlong into it. And then we're going before God's throne and think he's going to hear us. We are so self-deceived. Peter even tells husbands this. 1 Peter 3 and 7. Peter tells husbands that if they do not treat their wives properly, honoring them as the weaker vessel and fellow heirs of grace, that their prayers will be hindered. That's in 1 Peter 3 and 7. Let's look at that verse. This is what 1 Peter says. Talking about husbands and how they should live with their wives. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them. He's talking about wives. Because first he was talking about how wives, even godly wives, ought to submit to their husbands, that they may win them over with their good conduct. He was telling godly women to, to dwell with their, their unsaved husbands, that they may be won over without a word. So he gives the word to husbands, verse 7. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife, as to the weaker vessel. This doesn't mean that women are weak and men are strong. What it means is men and women are different. The husband is supposed to be what? Tender and gentle toward his wife. That's what he means by that. Anyway. As to the weaker vessel. As being heirs of the grace of life. That what? Your prayers may not be hindered. So how can a husband hinder his prayers? By not treating his wife well. So Mary, whenever Daryl mistreats you, tell him God's not hearing your prayers. <laughs> Pray you can tell me that too. <laughs> God knows our hearts. We cannot play games. We can't think that we can disobey God and, and then come and sweet talk him into giving us what we want. That's how many people uh, treat God. That they can live any way they want. They can disobey him. They can dishonor him. They refuse to obey his commandments. And then they think they can come and sweet talk God as if he's one of us. But he's not one of us. He is the holy and sovereign God. He does whatever pleases him. God has a righteous standard that he must uphold. He cannot contradict himself. You can't pray in the spirit, Lord, bless my business while you're being dishonorable and corrupt being dishonest you have people who are dishonest in business affairs but yet they're asking God to bless their business we can't ask the Lord to bless our family while we are not even committed to our families we have to repent of all known sin and do the works of repentance and we pray to God in the spirit. Also praying in the spirit is to pray according to God's will as revealed in his word. This is this is the this is the big one. Paul said, take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. God's word 
the written word, which is the Bible that we have, it reveals to us his moral will for our lives. God's word shows us God's will. You want to know what God's will is? Open your Bible. It's there. First Thessalonians 4 and 3, Paul tells us, for this is the will of God. Your sanctification that you should abstain from sexual immorality. The spirit will never understand this. The spirit will never lead us to pray contrary to the will of God as it is revealed in the word of God. Never. That's why we talked about in the Lord's prayer. Hallowed be your name. Your, uh, your, your, your answer should be something that brings glory to God. The spirit of God will never lead you to pray contrary to the will of God as it has revealed in scripture. You can't pray in the spirit, Lord, uh, bless me as I enter into this marriage with this unbeliever. When the Bible says, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers for what fellowship ever righteousness with, with unrighteousness. You can't say, Lord, bless this marriage. And you're marrying an unbeliever. That's contrary to God's will for the Christian. The Christian is not supposed to marry a non-Christian or an unbeliever. So we pray in the spirit in line with God's word and the truths and precepts and the commands of scripture. We can't say we're praying in the spirit when we're praying against things that are revealed in the word of God. The spirit would never lead us to pray contrary to the word of God. And one way of praying in the spirit is to use the prayers in scripture to direct your own prayer requests. I thought about it all the time. Open up the Bible, just praying the Bible, praying the scriptures, praying the Psalms. It's two prayers of Paul in this very book that we looked at. First, uh, uh, the first chapter, I think, beginning at verse uh, 15. And then the third chapter, beginning at verse 14, I think 14 through 21. That's, that's a prayer that we can pray. You can pray the Psalms. There are many other prayers in the Bible. But when you think about all of God's commands in scripture should be turned into prayer for holiness. To pray in the spirit is to pray according to God's revealed will. And then the third thing about praying in the spirit is praying in the spirit is dependence on the spirit under the spirit's direction and under the spirit's power. We pray with the spirit's help. We pray with the spirit's direction. There have been times where I've struggled to pray for things and then the spirit prompts me to pray for something. He directs my thoughts and my words. Sometimes that does happen. It doesn't happen all the time. It does happen on occasion. The spirit moves me to pray for different people, to pray for different things for other people. 
He leads me to do that when sometimes I don't think I have anything to pray for. And he'll do that for you too. And then sometimes the, the, the Spirit of God puts the same request on my heart frequently. He puts the same person on my heart not frequently. And with an intensity. He could be on my prayer list or it could be some, something or someone that's just on, on my mind and heart. When we keep praying, the Spirit of God reveals those things to us and he gives us direction and power as we pray. Fourth principle. We stand against the enemy by praying vigilantly and with all perseverance. We pray with vigilance. Vigilance means with alertness. We keep watching and praying. Jesus told his disciples when he was in the garden, Matthew 26, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation for the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And what did they do? They still went to sleep. <laughs> but I've done the same thing before. I know not to pray laying down. Amen. In the bed because I ended up falling asleep. <laughs> but we ought to be alert. He says here in this passage. Being watchful to this end. Being watchful. Being alert. It's like a military analogy. It's like a, a sentry, a guard that is on duty. Watchful signs of infiltration by, by the enemy. That's what the sentry does. Who watches the gate. So what we ought to do, we must... See any signs of infiltration by the enemy. And we immediately go to prayer. You see a person who's suffering. Pray that Satan might not get the eyes off the Lord. You see someone who is depressed or discouraged. What do we do? We pray that they put their trust in God and his salvation. We pray that they see the glory of Christ in their depressed state or in their state of discouragement. We just be alert of things when we're talking to each other and we hear the struggles of other believers. Guess what we do? We pray. Lord, pray for I pray for Sister Dolores. I pray for Brother Darrell. I pray for Brother Harvey when you, when you hear about different things. I pray for mothers and fathers who have to raise their children in this world where they're trying to tell children that they can change their sex. I pray for the parents who have to raise their children. And I pray for the children that the Lord may protect them from this wicked ideology where people are trying to destroy children. When I saw where the state of Ohio this past Tuesday legalized baby murder and people were celebrating. I didn't tell my wife, but I was very angry. That people are celebrating the right to kill their own children. Celebrating. Crying. Tears of joy. Why? Because you can murder your child. I prayed. Lord change these people's hearts. Show them their sins. Show them the wickedness. Of what they're celebrating. They're celebrating. Being able to murder their own child. 
Do you all know how wicked that is? To celebrate murder? I pray, Lord, change these people's hearts in the state of Ohio and across this nation. Those who voted for that, those who campaigned for that, those who gave money for that cause. We pray vigilantly. We, we're always watching, and it don't mean that we're paranoid. We're just always aware of things to pray about and pray for. When we see someone again who's, who's depressed or discouraged, we pray for them, that they look to the Lord, that they turn to him in trust. And we pray with perseverance. Paul says, be watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So, all perseverance. Now, this is the part of prayer that most of us find difficult. I know that I do. Jesus, he told the parable of the widow who kept pestering the hard-hearted judge. I think this is in Luke 11. Until the judge finally, <laughs> finally relented just to get her off of his back. But Jesus assures us that God is not uncaring like that unrighteous judge. This is in Luke, Luke 18, I'm sorry. Jesus told this parable about this lady, this persistent widow who came to this judge and demanded something. And the judge relented and did it. And Jesus himself, he began that parable by saying in Luke 18 and 1, that at all times men or we ought to pray and to not lose heart. That's why he told that parable to show us that we should always do what? Pray and not lose heart, not give up, not grow weary in petitioning our God. Praise God. We don't grow weary. We keep praying. We keep praying. We keep praying. We keep trusting. I was encouraging my wife in some things to pray for, and, and the Lord came through. I said, don't give up praying. Friends, we're not praying to an impotent God. We're praying to the God who is all-powerful, the God who is mighty to save, the God who is mighty to heal and deliver. The God to whom we can trust. The God to whom we know will always be with us and will never leave us and never forsake us. That's why we pray with perseverance. We persevere in prayer. We devote ourselves constantly to it. We don't give up when we don't see immediate results. We don't give up when we hear no. We wait on the Lord. We read that in our responsive reading in Psalm 27. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. That's Psalm 27 and 14. What did David say in the verse before that? I would have lost heart if I did not know that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. And he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say on the Lord. That's Psalm 27, 13 and 14. That is so encouraging for us to do what? Persevere in prayer. Because you know you're not going to lose heart. Because you know that you're going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. 
The enemy wants you to do what? Give up on praying. He want, he's going to tell you, oh, God's not, God doesn't hear you. Look at that, he ain't, he, he ain't answered your prayer. God ain't, God got other, other people. He's got bigger fish to fry. That's what your enemy is telling you. That's what the rulers and the powers and the darkness of this world are telling you. They're telling you not to trust God. They're telling you not to depend on him. Oh, you can't see him. You don't know what he's doing with that. He's not concerned about you. Don't let the enemy lie to you like that. You persevere in prayer. You pray. I've been praying for salvation for some of my family members for the last 32 years. And you know what? I'm going to keep praying. I prayed for my father to be saved for about 20 years. And God saved my daddy. About five years before he died. I thank God for that. I prayed for him. When I talked to him on the phone and he got angry at me and called me everything but a child of God, guess what? I still pray for my dad. I pray for his soul. I said, Lord, save him before something worse happens. You pray. You got loved ones who aren't saved, pray for them. Lord, save them. Save them. Lord, show them the light of the gospel. There's sometimes where I have gotten discouraged. There are times where I've had to modify my prayer requests for people. If God brings some people, I have scratched off my prayer list, but if God brings them to mind, I will pray for them. There are people I don't pray for regularly anymore than I used to. And when I do stop praying for someone, it's not because I doubt God's ability to answer. But sometimes it may be that God is not going to answer in the affirmative. So I just leave that person to God's sovereign will. And pray for others. So we, 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 we fight by praying vigilantly. We're aware and we're alert and we do it with all perseverance. And lastly, we stand against the enemy by praying for all the saints. Why do we pray for all the saints? Because all the saints are our fellow soldiers. I'm going to tell you this. I was thinking about this this morning. As Christians, our first priority is to pray for the household of faith. As Christians. My, when I pray, when I pray, I pray for my church family first. I pray for those who work and those who don't work. I pray for our children. I pray for the ministry, the effectiveness of our ministry. I pray for the church first. I pray for saints first. Why? Because we're all fellow soldiers. We're not soldiers with unbelievers. Okay, we're not marching arm and arm with unbelievers. No, all the saints are marching together. We pray for our fellow soldiers in battle, and it motivates us to love each other. It's difficult to pray for someone who's not on the same team as you are. Unbelievers are not, whether they're in our family or not, unbelievers are not on the same team as us. My unbelieving family members are not on my team. They're in my family, but they're not on my spiritual team. They're not fighting the same battles I'm fighting. 
they're actually on the side of the enemy so we pray for as Paul says for all the saints <coughs> all believers in the Lord Jesus Christ we pray for them that's why when I pray my pastoral prayer I pray for pastors that I know personally even uh, Gobbler J and Josephus over in Liberia and Sylvester over in Zimbabwe you know Gobbler J and Josephus have visited our church before uh, back in I think 2016 2017 uh, when they came over for, for a while and they, they both ministered at our church and we uh, gave them some things and sent them some money and everything and Brother Sylvester I haven't met him yet I met him through social media but uh, he and I communicate once a month and uh, you know I always tell him I'm praying for your church every, every Sunday morning praying for your ministry why because we're praying for the saints we pray for all Christians everywhere that should be our first priority as believers and then Paul says pray for those on the front lines of ministry and for me that others may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel so we pray for those on the front lines of ministry we pray for missionaries we pray for pastors we pray for evangelists we pray for Christian leaders every Christian is in ministry but we have those who are missionaries we have those in parts of the world that are hostile to the gospel we have pastors shepherding churches teaching the flock discipling church members we pray that God may open blind eyes to see the light of the glory of the gospel of Christ that's what we pray for for these people that in their ministry work that people may come to a saving faith in Christ that they may be bold in their Christian witness and Paul wrote this while he was in prison remember that keep that in mind Paul is about to go before Caesar Caesar was either going to acquit him or condemn him but Paul prayed he is an ambassador in chains he prayed he asked them to pray for him that he may make known the mystery of the gospel even while he was there in prison think about that and we pray for ourselves that we will be bold and clear in our witness for Christ it's amazing that Paul didn't even ask to be released from prison he didn't ask for prayer for his health he prayed that he would proclaim the gospel boldly and not miss any opportunities while he was imprisoned it's nothing wrong praying for our personal needs but Paul's example shows us that our primary focus in prayer should be the furthering of the kingdom of God not to make ourselves or our lives more comfortable how to be an ambassador for Christ on our jobs how to be an ambassador for Christ in our homes how to be an ambassador for Christ in our friend circle how to be an ambassador for Christ in the public square that should be our priority so my prayer is that we all make Paul's passion ours that we will be used to proclaim the gospel to the lost with clarity and boldness a few questions as we close things to think about what is your biggest hindrance to faithful prayer think about it yourself 
What is your biggest hindrance to persevering in prayer? To being watchful in prayer? To praying for all the saints? To praying all kinds of prayer? What is your biggest hindrance and what can you do to remove it? Marinate all those questions. I'm going to put these in the group chat uh, later on this evening. For us to just think about it. What are some of the hindrances that we have in our life? Is it better to pray in the spirit or have a list? Which one is better? For some people, for me, it works to have a list. I pray in the spirit through my list. I like to write things down. I like to, to take a record of things and, and go down uh, the list. For some people, they have a good memory. And they can pray for people and for things without writing them down. That's not me. Which one is better for you? Do it. Number three. Do you keep on praying or assume that God's answer is no? That's about the perseverance thing. Do you keep on praying or do you assume that God's answer is no? If you assume that God's answer is no, you pray and ask God to help you to accept that answer. Or There are three answers to prayer, people. Yes, no, or wait, no, not right now. But when you know the answer is no, you ask God to help you to accept his no and to glorify him in that in that no answer. But if the answer is not no, guess what? You keep praying. Amen. Then lastly, how do we balance being bold for Christ and showing sensitivity? How bold should we be in, in bearing witness to Christ? Bold enough to even to be sensitive. But bold enough to not be afraid to proclaim gospel truth. I had to correct someone in my office for using too much profanity around me. I said, it, I said, I just did it like that. Oh, I'm sorry. I just did my hand like that, like. Because I got, you know, this is just off the, off the track here, but to me, one of the most attractive qualities a woman, uh, unattractive qualities a woman can have is having a foul mouth. It's just me personally. A woman who has a foul mouth is so unattractive. That among a few other things, but uh, a, a woman is just, it's just so unattractive to me. It is. A, a, a woman with a dirty, filthy mouth using, it just, no. That's cringe, as the young people would say. But anyway, let's pray as we close. Lord, help us not have filthy mouths. Lord, help us to see ourselves, to remember that the Christian life is not about making ourselves happy and comfortable. It's a battle with unseen forces of wickedness. Lord, help us to fight against our evil enemy with prayer. We must be people of prayer. Lord, we will advance safely on our knees in our battle against our spiritual enemy. Help us, Lord, to think about the biggest hindrances that we have and how we can remove them. Help us to pray in the spirit. 
to pray according to your will, to persevere in prayer, to persist in prayer, to always pray and not lose heart. Lord, continue to do that work in us. And may we continue to bring you glory in it. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.